You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. What I want to suggest is arguably a little less comfortable. Just to discomfort you, we thought we'd put a little bit of feedback there. Very good. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, I'm going to read out some things. If I miss your adjective at the end, feel free to just yell it out. Uh, But what do you call a group of lying, cheating, greedy, covetous, tax-evading, racist, jealous, judgmental, lonely, passive-aggressive, angry, people who eat too much, spend too much, drink too much, medicate too much, lust, watch porn, but gather together because they believe Jesus is the light of the world and they need more light. If I missed your adjective, please feel free to yell it out now. <laughs> you call it the church. And the thing about the church is, and what I need you to understand, I guess, is that the church is not an institution. The church is not... A building, the church is people who gather and those people come from all different types of backgrounds. They come from all different types of perspectives and they're at all different points of their journey. And because of that, everybody has different perspectives. And, uh, you know, some people come and they say things like, the church should take a stand. You should take a stand. What they really mean is that you should take my stand. Uh, because when I say, well, we should take a stand, well, you mean your stand or someone else's stand? No, no, my stand. So can I take someone else's stand? No, 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 my stand or no stand. Uh, what people don't perhaps completely comprehend is that the church is made up of individuals who all have different struggles, different perspectives, and different outlooks. We agree fundamentally on this, that God sent his son in the world to forgive us of our sins and to help us get over them. I think we agree that God sent his son into the world and extended to us something that was so irresistible that we are responsible for extending it to one another, both insiders and outsiders, and that is grace. And grace is the oil, if you will, that keeps the machine working. Uh, Using the analogy of an engine. An engine is made up of all different kinds of parts, right? Every different part has a different design, but the thing functions so amazingly that it, 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 it powers your car and allows you to get here. Now, the thing about your engine in the car that you'll hop into on your way home in a, an hour or so's time is that if you take the oil out of it, that thing that is designed to function together, that thing that's made up of separate parts but that creates this power, that creates this impetus, would get so overheated that it would blow apart. And that is just like the church. It's not just the church, it's actually your family. (laughs) If there wasn't grace... If there wasn't that oil that kept the functioning parts lubricated, then ultimately the friction would build up and your family and your church and your workplace and your sporting club would blow apart. And maybe some of you have seen that. Grace 
was what God initiated for us. Grace is amazing only, only when it's seen within the context of human relationships. One of the most famous lines of any Christmas carol, you know, God and sinners reconcile. God manifested, God showed to us, God exhibited grace that we might show grace to one another. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't come to be right? Because you can either be right or you can set things right. Jesus didn't come to be right. He came to make things right. Right. And grace is only grace. We talk about amazing grace. But grace is only grace when it functions from me to you and from you to me. The difficulty about this, the difficulty about exhibiting this grace that was modeled to us in Jesus Christ, the, the, the difficulty in, in, in living this gracious life with human beings is that some human beings just get on my nerves. How about you? You know what I'm saying? Like there are just some people, right? I mean, there are some people who do certain kinds of things. uh, And they remind me of people. And and I just, oh man, you know, if we could just get rid of that kind of person, then my life, I would be able to exhibit so much more grace. But there are certain things that people do that just annoy you, isn't there? There are certain things that people do that just get in my skin, they get in my craw, and I just want to get away from them. Jesus tells us why. In one of the most unsettling, intrusive, and provocative questions any person has ever asked. We're going to look at it in just a moment. It's difficult. In fact, it's so provocative, it's like someone's about to punch you in the nose. So get ready. If you're not a Christian, if you're visiting, you know, maybe you're at someone's place for Christmas and they said, you've got to come to church or you don't get lunch or something like that and so you're here. (laughs) Can I just... Can I just put up a warning? Can I put up a warning, right? You don't have to play. You can, you can listen to this question and you'll probably think to yourself, that's one of the reasons why I don't want to be a Christian and I understand it. <laughs> that's how provocative this question is. However, if you're here and you define yourself as a Christian, you have no choice but to play. <laughs> you have no choice but to lean in to what we're about to read and open up your life to it. Unfortunately, because you're a follower of Jesus. So, without any further ado, (laughs) let's look at the master communicator. The man who could put a whole book into one sentence. Who said this in Matthew 7 verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye? And pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. Now some of you are thinking, oh, can't we talk about angels singing and wise men and stuff? It's Christmas! (laughs) Uh, I get that, I understand that. Uh, This is actually, I'm actually doing you a favour today because I know what's happening on Tuesday, okay? 
This question is so apt and, and so important. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? Why do you get so amped up and annoyed at other people when you can't recognise the stuff in your own life? To which you say, I'll tell you why. It's not a speck of sawdust. She's a Greens voter. <laughs> I thought that would get some. <laughs> or you say, that's not a speck of sawdust. He's a member of One Nation. Or you say, okay, I'll bring it down a bit. Or you say, that's not a speck of sawdust. He abused me. Or you say, that's not a speck of sawdust. That, that, that mother of mine, she left when we were eight or nine years of age. And now she's old. And now she needs us. She's come back. That's not a speck of sawdust. That's a whole blinking forest. (laughs) That's not a speck of sawdust. And then you say to me, and I don't have a plank in my eye. I see it how it really is. I know I see it how it really is because I told my wife this morning how it really was. I have 2020 vision, not like these self-deceived, blind individuals that I have to live with. I have perspective. I don't have a plank in my, my eye. I'm fine. <clears throat> you know, it's that jolly brother-in-law that's coming around on Tuesday. Oh my goodness, he annoys me. <laughs> you know? It's that cousin who's run off with the whoever, whatever, and oh man, that's, that's, you know, that's bad. I'm not so bad. That's bad. I don't have a speck of sawdust in my eye. It's that tradesman who doesn't turn up when he says he's going to turn up. Now there's someone with a plank in their eye. <laughs> yeah, it was nearly some claps that came then. That, uh... <laughs> and yet, you know, <clears throat> you visit your relatives and you tell your, you know, you tell your significant other, all right, we're going to get there at one o'clock and we are leaving at 3.30. Is that clear? <laughs> Two and a half hours and your time starts now. Because <laughs> I'm not staying with this bunch any longer than I have pre-arranged. I need to know when this finishes at the start. To which Jesus says, right? So that's, that's you or that's us. To which Jesus says, and again, man, talk about, talk about left, right. So he just punched you in the nose. He's about to give you an uppercut. To which Jesus says, you hypocrites. First take the plank out of your own eye. Then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. <laughs> You see, what I love about God is that God knew everything about me. He knew every sin I'd ever commit. He knew every fragility. He knew every insecurity. He knew the sin of my life. And yet, he still, he still loves me. In, in fact, the Bible says this. In fact, Paul, look at the tense in, the, the tense in, this, in this passage of Scripture. The way Paul wrote this is just so powerful. Have a look. He says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we 
still, while we were still sinners. It's present tense. Paul lived when Jesus lived. Paul was sinning whilst this was happening. Whilst we are still sinners, Christ dies for us. God took the whole of our stories into account and still loves us. And, and, and what's so important about this, and what I need you to understand out of all this, it's a bit of fun, but what I need you to understand is this. This is not about you being nice, right? This is not about you coping with the relatives on Tuesday with a smile. Right? This, this is not about you being lectured right, by your whoever, saying you will be polite, you will smile, all right, and you will be kind to this person. I do not want you to be rude to them. It's not about you being told on the last minute, such and such is coming and you're going to enjoy it, and you're thinking, I need a nip of the Christmas sherry, I'm afraid, <laughs> if they're coming over. This is not about turning over a new leaf, right? This is not about you being a better person. What this is about and what Jesus is saying here is this, is that if you can examine the plank in your own eye, you have a clearer capacity to move in grace and to see others as Jesus sees them. Or to put it in a simple phrase, let me say this. Planks get in the way of grace. Planks get in the way of grace. When you see the person as God sees them, you see them as an opportunity to do something unsettling. Right? You're not perturbed by the fact they're coming over on Tuesday. You're not thinking, oh boy, this is going to be a horrible day. You know, I have to pick my place at the table because there are certain people I don't want to sit next to, right? It's, it's, it's not about, it's, 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 I'm going to do something unsettling. It's, I'm not dreading what might happen because I see it as an opportunity to be amazing. Because you see, you are most like God. You are amazing when you show grace. As the song says. You are at your most amazing when you show grace. And grace doesn't exist unless there's a person that needs, needs it extended to them. So you would not be anywhere half as amazing as you are going to be if they were not coming. This is an opportunity for you to extend amazing grace. And when you see it like that, when you understand it, you see, it's not about being kinder. It's just about when you realise what God has still got to do in your life. When you look into the mirror of his word, when you study what Jesus said, when you look at the life of Jesus, and you see how much more work still has to happen in you. For some reason or another, it makes you less concerned about what God is still yet to do in somebody else. That's the power of what Jesus just said. Is that when you take the time to look at you, you become less concerned, less judgmental, 
less worried about what God is still to do in the lives of them. You can't find joy until you first remove the plank. This is what's so remarkable about about Christmas. Christmas is when God came near. He didn't give us what we deserved, but he gave us what we needed. He didn't come to take sides. He came to reconcile. He's not on this person's side or on that person's side. He comes alongside. He comes alongside all of us. See, one of the things that staggers me about you know that list I read out before, and if you know your angst wasn't on that list, you could put tattooed, pot smoking, whatever you know. Uh, if your angst wasn't on that list, uh, then you know, as I said, you could yell out your adjective. Uh, but the thing is, when God looks at my brokenness, at my sin, He doesn't get angry. He's brokenhearted by it. He, he, he's so brokenhearted by it that He sends His only begotten Son to forgive me of it and to give me the power to get over it. He doesn't get angry. He's not somehow rising up because of it. In fact, it seems to me that as you you examine the life of Christ, that the only ones who seem to get his blood boiling, the only ones that seem to get on his wrong side uh, were the graceless uh, religious lot. those who had so twisted and manipulated the law of God that it concluded they themselves didn't need grace. They'd so twisted and manipulated their understanding that they'd concluded that somehow God is lucky to have me because <laughs> I'm pretty good. And, and I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that group. I don't want to be that person. Seems to be you end up judging others, looking down at others. This grace, this grace that we experience, this grace that comes to town, this grace that personifies the work of, of God in the earth, the Lord Jesus Christ, this grace that really is perhaps the greatest attribute of the people who, mean, who you hold as in the highest esteem. This grace is what he was full of. It says in John chapter, uh, John chapter 1 verse 14, which I guess is the, you know, is the backbone of all that we've been sharing these last few weeks. It says the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. The eternal creator of heaven and earth takes on the, uh, the form of a human. God in a body. It is remarkable. And we have seen his glory. That's not you. That's not me. That's him. That's John. John said, and his buddies, we have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only true son of God who came from the father. And look at this. Full of grace and of truth. And so I've got a question for you. You ready for this question? What are you full of? What are you full of? And before you answer, before you start to tell me how gracious you are, let me ask you the question in a slightly different way. What comes out of you when you get shaken? I'm not asking what you would like to be full of. I'm asking, last time you got shaken, right? Last time your expectations were not met. Last time you worked so hard 
to experience a certain outcome and certain individuals who should have known better (laughs) didn't do what they were supposed to do. What happened to you? Last time you got cut off in the traffic. Last time that person took the, 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 your parking spot that you had been indicating for for the last three minutes. <laughs> what came out of you? You don't know what you're full of until you get shaken and you see what comes out. What comes out of you when you bump into sinners? You know those people that you can't stand? <laughs> You know that, that list, the earlier list, uh, maybe I missed your adjective, but just stick it in there. <laughs> what comes out of you when you meet those people? Because those people are just like you. <laughs> maybe the actual adjective is different. M- m- maybe the actual action is different, but it's sin just the same. What comes out of you when you bump into them and there's something in them that reflects who you are to the point where you get annoyed at them, what are you full of? Can I, can I um, take this a little closer to perhaps where we are? What is Centro full of? What is the church full of? This church, what's it full of? How many know that the church is most appealing when grace is most apparent. The church is most appealing when grace is most apparent. Uh, you had a great opportunity on Tuesday to invite people to come to a, a service, a Christmas Day service. People are open that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and you might do so. You might be really courageous and invite someone to come and they, 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 they may well say no and if you're to get to the bottom of why they say uh, no, it's, it's probably got nothing to do with anything Jesus ever did or said. In fact, the animosity towards the church that, that exists in the heart of so many has very little to do with anything that Jesus necessarily said or did. But maybe they've had an experience. And maybe they've seen something. And no, nah, no thanks. I don't, I don't want to come and I'll make up an excuse. Because they've seen a church that lacked amazing grace. The church is most appealing when grace is most apparent. So, what about you? What about you? How about you? Are you prepared to take Christ's challenge here? Are you prepared to remove the plank? Uh, 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 or you know, stop being the victim. Can you stop being the victim? Can you stop needing someone to blame and, and say, "Okay, I'm going to take the plank from my own eye." It's the key to grace. Planks stop grace. If you want grace to flow, remove the plank. Some of you spend an awful lot of time putting up lights. In fact, some people put so much lights up, it takes grace from me just to embrace them. I go, oh, you've got to be kidding me. But anyway. Uh, and some of you, and, and you know, a little bit's okay. But, uh, <laughs> some of you spend an awful lot of time 
putting up your tree and dressing your tree and buying the right gifts and wrapping the gifts and preparing the food and mowing the lawn and, and getting the place decked out because uh, it's a big day coming up. You've spent a lot of time preparing for this day. So here's my simple question. Are you ready for grace to come to town? You spend a lot of time, don't we spend a lot of time, a lot of money getting ready for a day. And I wonder how much effort we put in to the preparation of ourselves. And you say, well, how do I do that? And I say, take out the plank. You want grace to flow? Remove a plank from your own eye because the planks stand in the way of grace. Are you still feeling superior? Is there people that you look down on that you don't like, that you feel that you could do better, that you could be better? If you do, then there's still more grace there's still more planks, I should say, more grace to be had, more planks to, re- to be removed. You know? May I suggest, <laughs> if you don't think you have any planks, visit um, Riverlink tomorrow about four o'clock in the afternoon, and I reckon you'll see some planks that need to be removed. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> the minute you start looking down on another human being, That's a sign that you're still carrying planks. And planks stand in the way of grace. Our Father in heaven showed us how to do something unsettling. And that's what the Christmas story is all about. How unsettling for the Son of God to come and be born in 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 an animal trough. With all of the unsavory and, and, and smells and, and uh, issues around that, it would have been unsettling beyond imagination. How about you? Is there an unsettling moment for you? Is there a moment where you can extend amazing grace to somebody who maybe doesn't deserve it? He hasn't done anything to come out to somehow kind of, you know, uh, receive from you. But you can extend to them. Not because it's what they deserve, but it's because of what they need. And when you do, and when I do, we become amazing. You want to be amazing? You want to be amazing? This is an opportunity for you to be amazing when you extend this grace. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 